Unlabeled Leadership is a volunteer service. We appreciate our guests for their stewardship and remarkable stories. We also appreciate listeners like you who back the show with star reviews and contributions. Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 147, Alan Carroll takes speaking and communicating to a new level. Here's a shout out to listeners in St. James, Jamaica, and in the United States, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, San Diego, California, Hanover Park, Illinois, and Silver Spring, Maryland. With that, let's get started. Alan Carroll is an author, executive coach, public speaker, and founder of Alan Carroll and Associates. Through workshops, he and his team give people the experience of mindfulness and presence. He has helped professionals from all over the world from more than 50 countries become better at speaking and communicating. He graduated from San Jose State University with a master's in psychology, and he's the author of the book, The Broadband Connection. On Alan's LinkedIn page, one of the people that endorsed him wrote the following. If I could describe Alan in one word, it would be mind-blowing. I've never seen a human being with the capability to transform a reciter with dread, anxiety, fear, and dullness into a pleasing, composed, confident, and charismatic public speaker within three coaching sessions. Alan has made a profound impact on my ability to express myself in front of an audience, and I cannot stress enough how valuable his insight is for effective communication. Sounds like Alan is a person that you might want to get to know. Part 1. Perform your thoughts with sounds and silence. In my book, Nine Practices of 21st Century Leadership, I write about 26 underlying beliefs about leadership that I discovered in my research. One of those beliefs is number 24, to become fluent in leadership, practice leadership regularly, and monitor your effectiveness. That means you need to raise your awareness of how you practice, how you interact with other people, and how you communicate. Alan shares with us some of his ideas on how you can be more effective at communicating more specifically, on how you can become better at speaking. Here's Alan with his story. When I look at my story, Gary, things that I've discovered on my journey, I'm now in my early 70s. In my early teens, I was attracted by yoga and meditation and spiritual things. And I got my degrees in psychology. I ended up being a trainer, training people how to speak. The story is more of an observation of how to help people speak. The quote of it is that if I had to summarize 50 years of observation of earning my living by supporting people how to speak, when the person speaks, do they control the timing of their speaking? And when they speak in a live situation, do they control the body movement of their speaking? The quote that I would use is a powerful leader controls the time and they control the space in which they speak. Using that as a foundation, I travel the world with my team and both virtually and live. We train people on how to become more present in the moment. And when they become more present in the moment, the leadership quality begins to emerge. The saying is, no one will follow an uncertain trumpet. 
when you speak, do you speak with clarity and certainty or don't you speak with clarity and certainty? Most people don't do that. They have a, something else. That's the quote of the story that I have developed into a business that I do around the world. Explain a little bit more, if you don't mind, what you mean by space and how it comes to play. Let's use a musical analogy. The body is like a musical instrument. I have in my hand right now, I have a flute. I can play notes on the flute like this. I play notes. And so when someone speaks, they are blowing air out of their body and they're using their tongue and their lips to vibrate the air and they make a sound. That's called speaking. We make sounds. Between the sounds, there's also an empty space between the sounds that they speak. Amateur speakers don't put any empty spaces between the sounds that they speak. The top leaders of the world who say, oh, that's a leader, that's a leader, that's a leader. Well, what do they do when they speak? I go down my, my list of famous leaders, politicians, for example. They're able to pause and they're able to pace their rate of speaking in order to have the maximum impact on the listening of the audience. That means you have to perform your thought. To perform your thought, you need the time to think about how I want to perform the next sound that I'm going to make. Amateur speakers, amateur leaders, if you want to use that term, there's no spaces between the thoughts that they speak. If you're not able to create a space, a time, a pause between the sounds that you speak, then you're an automatic speaker and you're just reacting to what's going on and you're not responding to what's going on. But if you're able to control your speaking, I speak when I want to speak and I pause and I stop when I want to stop, Gary. And now I have control over the timing. So I'm using space or the pause to consciously create between this sound and this sound. In order to do that, I have to be present. I have to be grounded. I have to be anchored. I have to be connected to my physical body. I need to be connected to the audience. And so now when you speak, the impact of your speaking penetrates deeper because you're not only using the power of sound, you're using the power of silence. Silence is where the sound comes from. When you're able to create silence consciously, the power of the sound will be more if you can create the silence and the pause. And that comes from the space. Space is one of the fifth elements, earth, air, fire, water, and there's a thing called space. Well, space is a metaphysical. It's, you can't see it, touch it, feel it, smell it, hear it, but there's a space. Amateur speakers don't create spaces. Professional speakers, professional leaders know the power of silence when they speak. When do you play your flute? The music isn't just the notes, it's the space between the notes. Without having both, you're unable to communicate. I think that's a, an incredible musical analogy that you just shared. Two days ago, Gary, I went to Michael's, the place you buy art materials, and I bought a blank canvas, 20 by 20 inch blank canvas. The sounds that you make are the paint on the canvas. The silence is the canvas. The canvas holds the paint. The space holds the sound. 
you are able to create the space consciously between the sounds that you make, you then have access to what I call a command override switch. The command override switch is simply on off. When you are able to hold the command override switch, the the ability to manage the sounds that you make increases tremendously. In that silence between the sounds, you get to take your flashlight and you get to explore what the heck is in that silence. And what's in that silence is that command override switch. With the command override switch, you now can tell your body what to do. And the first thing you do when you experience silence is you tell your body to relax all physical tension. Because every time you speak, it tenses the body. And every time you pause, it relaxes the body. So if you want to have a flow and an articulation to the way you speak, so it attracts the attention of the audience, there's a dance between the sounds of silence and the sounds of speaking. There's a blend, there's a dance, there's a balance. I call it the, the yang is the outward flow of energy. The yin is the inward flow of silence. And so an amateur speaker or an amateur leader has an imbalance between the creation of the sound and the creation of no sound. And when you have a balance between that, you now have mental equilibrium. And when you have mental equilibrium, the snow in the snow globe is now settled. There's no agitation of snow in the snow globe anymore. You're able to settle the snow. When you settle the snow in a snow globe, all of a sudden the water becomes clear. And so you have a clear view into the moment of now that that you're looking at. So if a leader has to make a decision, I don't want any snow blocking my view of what is the appropriate action I need to take to support the people I lead. I want to be grounded. I want to be clear. And that comes from the ability to consciously create space. And most people don't even know that. They just think it's talk, 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 talk. You're absolutely right. It's it's the silence between the musical notes that makes the music music. Part two, risk vulnerability to grow. Another underlying leadership belief is number three, being vulnerable and getting to know others builds trust and relationships. Whether admitting that we're wrong, acknowledging that someone's better than you, or even risking being criticized by something you say, vulnerability is not always that easy. In this story, Alan shares with us an experience he had in which he struggled to be vulnerable. Again, here's Alan. Back in the 70s, I participated in my psychology journey in lots of different programs. And one of the programs that I participated in was the EST training in San Francisco. It was created by Werner Earhart, was international. It's still alive and well after, what, 50 years, I guess. It's now called the Landmark Education Organization. And in that program, there was a training to become a a speaker because they wanted you to speak and enroll people into the program. And I joined that program, terrified, terrified in that program because you had to stand up and speak and in front of an audience, terrified. I was pretty much of a quiet guy didn't have a lot of that wow, wow, wow kind of stuff. What I finally got to the point in that program where you stood up and shared about whatever you shared and people would clap their hands and thank you very much. There was a weekend in San Francisco and I hadn't shared anything, hadn't stood up and shared anything yet because I was afraid of rejection. But I felt like I was the only one. There's 200 people in the room. I felt like I'm the only one left who hasn't shared after being in the program for three months that I should raise my hand. 
the trainer, Marsha, said, okay, who'd like to share? And I didn't raise my hand. Even though I said I was going to do it, I still didn't raise my hand. Finally, I had a voice inside my head that says, Alan, this is, this is the time. So, okay, I raised my hand. What I sang at the time using the flute analogy, I was like, I had no control at all over my speaking. It was like, like just a all over the space. Marcia said, she smiled at me and she said, that's what it looks like when you break through. When you break through, you don't come out of the egg an eagle, you come out of the egg an eaglet, very vulnerable. The challenge that I had was I had to risk being vulnerable, annihilation, in order to get better and better at speaking. Finally, I got to the realization that no one else is going to go up in front of the room. Even though I'm terrified, no one else is going to go up in front of the room to be the leader because people are afraid of rejection and, and, and being criticized. And so they hold back. That program springboarded me into my career. What, what I do is train other people who are afraid of being vulnerable in front of audiences and letting them know that, hey, vulnerability is pretty cool. What is vulnerability in speaking? Vulnerability in speaking goes back to the ability to create silence between the thoughts that you speak. When I speak, it's like a wall that you can't penetrate. But Gary, when I pause, there's a hole in the wall and you can psychologically reach in and touch me. You could ask a question. You could do all sorts of stuff in that empty space. Being vulnerable and being in front of an audience was something that I learned back in 1974, and I carry it to this day. One of the things that I found fascinating, what you just said, was how people are afraid of rejection. What you just described, applying it to speaking environments, it seems that that can be applied to all sorts of situations, whether you're in sales you're leading a team for the first time or allowing yourself to be vulnerable, the messaging changes when you can do that. One of the ways of, of looking at it with the vulnerability, when I speak a series of sounds, who am I speaking for? Well, I'm speaking for me. I'm speaking for my point of view. I'm speaking for my identity, who I believe I am. I'm using the power of my speaking to manifest my identity through this tool called my speaking. Now, when I don't speak, when I pull a sound out and put a pause in there, that sound was part of me. That was part of my identity. I put that sound in there. That represents a thought that I have inside of my head that I'm putting now out here in the outer world, and you hear it right now. That's a sound. That's me. And if I erase that sound, if I dissolve that sound, that sound disappears. Part of me has dissolved. Part of my ego structure has dissolved. And the more I practice that dissolving of the sounds that I'm making, the more spacious my reality in which I live becomes. And you become more like a willow tree. That when the winds come, the willow tree branches rise up and ride with the wind. And when the wind stops, the willow tree branches come down again. You are increasing your ability not to resist what's happening in the moment of now with your opinion about what's happening in the moment of now. You're able to be flexible. You're able to adjust to the moment. It has to be a certain way because my ego says it that way. No, you've been practicing flexibility. You've been practicing putting uh, spaces. You've been practicing relaxing your physical body. And so it allows you to be anchored and calm and grounded 
And especially in the times that we're facing now, Gary, there's so many things when you open your eyes in the morning that you could get agitated about. And if you don't have a physical instrument that's able to stay grounded in the immersive agitation, then you have a tendency to be knocked over, a tendency to get upset, a tendency to lose your emotional and mental equilibrium. That leads to suffering, psychological suffering and physical suffering. One of the things that my teacher, Sadhguru, the Indian guru, he talks about, he said, like, 85, 90% of all the physical issues that people have are caused by the thoughts inside their head and not by the situation that they're facing. It's the thoughts that you have about the situation, which causes the tension in the body, which causes the disease in the body. If you can begin to aerate the sounds that you make by pausing between the sounds that you make, it begins to create gaps in the thoughts that you think. And when you create gaps in the thoughts that you think, it reduces the tension in the body which brings you physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing, and spiritual stability. And everybody can do it. Everybody can pause when they speak. But you have to give up your ego to do that, and you become more present. Part three, taking a full breath. Another underlying leadership belief is number 26. Leadership involves helping others practice leadership. If your goal is to help others succeed beyond their wildest dreams, you don't want a leader-follower relationship. What you really want, as described by David Marquet, is a leader-leader relationship, where by helping other people grow mentally and morally, you help them become effective at leadership and be able to do the same for other people. Alan begins by talking about what leadership means to him and he uses an analogy from Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Here's Alan. If I'm going to lead, for me, what the word vision comes to my mind, being able to see something that the followers can't see, which I can see. One of the ways of describing it is a leader, it's like a bird being on a tree. The higher the bird stands, the more the bird can see what the lay of the land is and what needs to be done in order to support the other birds in the flock. You can see where the food is. A great leadership that I really enjoyed was, the book is called Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Oh, yeah. Bach, I think, yeah. was the fellow's you name. You got it. What Jonathan Livingston Siegel, he was part of the flock, but he became the leader. Well, how did he become the leader? He became the leader by leaving the flock, going out and exploring things that the flock said you shouldn't do discovered how to fly, how to find better fish, how to stop, how to do barrel rolls, how to fly in a formation. He became like a, a super flyer. Then he came back to the flock and he was immediately criticized. Well, you shouldn't fly that way and you shouldn't do those things. But the young gulls watched what Jonathan could fly and they say, wow, I've never seen a seagull fly like that. And so in the evening times, Jonathan was beginning to teach he would gather around and the young goals would gather around and the more goals would gather around him because he was able to share with them something that they'd never experienced before. When I go back to, well, how can I make what I say more powerful? The more powerful that I can make what I say is the more grounded I am. Well, that means that either you can be thinking about your thoughts all day long or you can be having the thoughts that you're thinking about and, and speaking, but at the same time, you're able to pause, you're able to oxygenate your body, 
because when people breathe, they breathe maybe 25% of their capacity of, of oxygen. But if you breathe consciously by taking a full breath, you'll notice that you can increase the oxygen in your body, which is like power by at least 25 to 30 to 40% more. And so you have more power in your body. And so a leader can have physical more power in their body just by managing their breathing. But nobody manages their breathing because breathing would require me to stop. But I'm not going to stop because I got so many things I want to say. And so you're not able to anchor your consciousness and become still because you're losing one of the primary tools you have, which is control of the breathing. So as a professional leader, as a professional speaker, it's absolutely essential that you control the breathing. Otherwise, you have what's called a breathing pattern disorder. And you don't even know you have a breathing pattern disorder until you begin to pause and breathe and include more oxygen in your body. And all of, your real, all of a sudden, you realize that, gee, I feel better now. I have more power now. It's like when you're singing a song. If you don't have any air in your body, I'll, I'll blow some air out. I'm going to sing a song. But if I have air in my body, I'm going to sing a song to you today. I'm singing away, away, away. My ability to sing gets better and better and better because I'm oxygenating my, my sound. Amateur speakers, amateur leaders don't oxygenate their sounds. Well, that would be another recommendation is to begin to include a practice in which when you pause, you take that full breath and that will begin to give you a superpower that allows you to be a greater leader and a greater speaker. My thanks to Alan Carroll. If you'd like to learn more about Alan, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or comment, go to unlabelleadership.com, click the message icon, and you can leave a voicemail message for up to one minute. I'd like to thank those who donate to the show. Your contributions makes a difference because this is an all-volunteer service like to thank you for listening. This is Gary DePaul. Until next time, lead on.